What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Unleashed Physique Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Spiewak, and I'm here to help you build sustainable muscle and nutritional freedom. This episode is from an Instagram Live with Chase Smith. If you are unfamiliar, every Tuesday and sometimes on Thursdays, I hop on Instagram Live and go live with a nutrition coach, personal trainer, professor, dietitian, and many others to go over fitness topics that you want to listen to and learn about. I give a lot, a lot of credit to Chase on this one for being vulnerable and opening up about his past eating disorder. We also discussed how eating disorders begin in the first place so that you can be more aware of them in your future. And we finished it off by giving our best tips for making fitness stay in your life. So I hope you enjoy and let's get after it. I want to hear the story. I want to hear you, and I want to hear what you're all about. So, you know, who are you, man? Sure. Um, I'll try to keep it short and sweet. I feel like it kind of it starts to grow and grow more and more. We but, got uh, half an hour, so you can talk for that long. <laughs> got it. Um, so, basically, I've always been the bigger kid growing up. That was always, you know, I'd struggled with my weight my entire life. It was, I mean, gosh, I started dieting probably when, or they thought about dieting when I was 11 or 12. Um, the first time I remember actually trying any type of like diet food was like, I think, um, you know, one of my parents was ordering Nutrisystem and I was just like, Hey, like I, I want to try that. So like at 12 years old, I'm eating Nutrisystem meals and just thinking, Oh, people eat these, they lose weight. Like that was like my first kind of like, at least the first time I remember starting to try to diet. And so, uh, long, long time ago. And then now and just every year would try something different. Every year it was like, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. And it just never was, right? Like I'd, I'd lose like 20, 30 pounds at most and then find any reason just to give it up because I didn't like it. I was miserable. I didn't want to do it. So I would just give it up. Um, it wasn't sustainable at all. And I would gain the weight back and then plus much more. And then from that point forward, um, you know, up until uh, 2019 is when finally a friend and coworker at the time um, I was working at, I was working as a nurse. I've been a nurse since 2015, and I was working at a psych hospital. And one of my coworkers was like, "Hey, I want to lose weight. I know you want to lose weight. How about we do like a challenge with each other and just like hold each other accountable with this?" And I was just like, "Okay, like sure, why not? Like you know, what, what can it hurt?" Honestly, at the time, I thought it was just gonna be another like kind of just quick fix fad diet kind of thing. Um, I even started with intermittent fasting this time because that was like the hot topic thing at the time. If you want to lose weight, you had intermittent fast. And so I started doing intermittent fasting. And then just kind of like into that year, probably first like first month, had amazing results. Um, and just rolling into the second month, that's around the time when I was like, really don't like this fasting thing. I'm just going to still just focus on my food and just eating good. I was eating clean, so to speak. Um, and then this was around the time in April or so I met, a nutrition coach and I was just somebody I, I think I, I don't know how I've scrolled across this stuff on Instagram popped up on my stories or whatever it was and um clicked follow and he shot me a message and he was like hey you should join our Facebook group and I was just like okay like sure why not um and within a couple of weeks he offered me to work with him I was like you know I think I'm doing okay by myself don't really need your help right now but thank you but you're still help but he still continued to help me right like it wasn't just like you know you're not gonna pay me I'm done with you kind of thing he continued yeah. to help me um, you know, I mean, because a lot of people, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that it's like, you know, they just want your money and if you're not going to pay them, like they're not going to help you. It's sad, but it's true. Um, and he, he wasn't though. He was able to help me through a lot for the first few months. Um, started telling me I need to increase my calories. 
that's when I started learning more about calories, nutrition, you know, macros, what a calorie deficit was. And like, that's all it's required to lose weight, um, which it still kind of like blows a lot of people's mind because it's like, you know, I took an entire nutrition um, semester, uh, nutrition class for an entire semester um, in nursing school. And like, people are like, oh, you should know these things. But like, we don't, you know, like at that time, I didn't care about it. Actually, I hated nutrition class, which is kind of funny now that I'm a nutrition coach. But at that time, I didn't care about nutrition. Um, and so fast forward throughout the rest of the year, continued to lose weight, was being very successful, lost, ended up losing over 100 pounds that first year, um, and was just feeling like just on top of the world, basically. Like, I felt like I was, you know, finally able to do this. It felt like it was sustainable. It felt like I was able to keep this off. Um, I didn't feel restricted. Um, all the, you know, all the magic ingredients for a sustainable weight loss, right? So, um, and from that point forward into next year, I just continued to kind of go through maintenance phases. And I think I'm about to do another cut. Um, 2021, I really got more into uh, resistance training. Actually, I should say fall of 2020 resistance training. Um, started learning more about free weights and using those kind of weights, uh, barbells, dumbbells, all in, rather than just the machines that I was using since like day one. And started working with a personal trainer because my coach was not doing um, the training side. He was just doing my nutrition. Started working with a trainer. And so and then eventually he took over my nutrition as well and really just fell in love with training, getting a lot stronger, pushing that hypertrophy style. Um, and then into 20, gosh, what year? 2021, I started traveling or seeing. Uh, so I was doing that for a while. Had a pretty rough time time with uh, relapse and binge eating. That was something I'd struggled with in the past um, a good bit and had a really rough time with that in 2021 and had to work through a lot of that. Hired a binge eating coach actually during that time, uh, was doing some therapy and other things like that and working with my my other coach as well. Um, you can tell a trend here. I, I, I find, you know, who can help me with the most and hire them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so like, and that's why I believe so much in coaching itself. And, and so work through that. That. And then 2022, I left my nursing job full-time um, and started doing coaching full-time. Um, I opened up my own coaching business in 2020. And like I said, last year, I left nursing, was coaching full-time, and also got into powerlifting last year as well. Um, that's been my newest, biggest thing that I've been really focused on is powerlifting. And that's uh, – I competed for the first time – a little over a month ago, I guess, um, and had a great competition. That's like my new thing now as I'm really enjoying. Um, and yeah, so like now I'm in a cut right now at the moment. It's kind of like where I'm at right now at this very moment. But um, yeah, that's kind of like the short and sweet. And there's a lot to that, but hopefully that answers a lot of your questions there. Yeah, no, that's cool to hear. I mean, that is a great, great story for you. Um, just to hear, especially the point where now it's like you really enjoy everything that you do, it kind of seems like you're enjoying the training, enjoying the eating, all that stuff. That's more into, I want to touch up on that later. I want to go right now into sort of the binge eating area. I want to hear first what you would define binge eating at, because from my perspective, it could easily just be like a weekend, every weekend you binge eat or every like Saturday night you binge eat or it could be an actual, you know, chronic thing. You know, what, what is your sort of definition on it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I'm glad you also brought that up because I feel like this will also tie into like the reason people binge eat. And so I look at binge eating anytime you are 
losing control of that sense of being able to like control yourself of what you're eating. You know, it's overeating and binge eating are two different things. Overeating can turn into a binge, but just because you overeat doesn't mean you're a binge eater. And so I think it's really important to differentiate those two. For example, if you are leaving work and your boss is a jerk to you all day, you have a stressful day at work and you get home and you're just like, I'm going to crush that pint of Ben and Jerry's and I don't care about my food right now tonight. I, I don't want, I'm not cooking dinner. I'm just having some Ben and Jerry's. Okay, you eat you know, 2,000 calories or whatever it may be over your calories of the day. That's more like an overeating episode. Binge eating is more of like you're losing that sense of control. You're not able to control the food you're eating. You're just basically like you like you don't want to eat that food, but you're just so compulsive about it that you feel like you have to eat those foods and you don't have that on or off switch, basically. And like you almost eat until you're miserable sometimes. How consistent is that throughout the week? Because it sounds like more if you're binge weekend, if you're not in control, it can happen a lot more than just like all right, one episode of overeating one night due to stress or anxiety or something like that? Um, it really depends. I mean, it, it's, I think there are some like clinical de definitions to it. I don't know exactly what that is as far as like timeline wise goes. Um, I believe if it happens a certain amount of times per week or per month, it's considered binge eating disorder. Um, but it really comes down to like the psychology of it rather than like, just for like my sake, when I'm talking to somebody it comes down to psychology of it rather than like how often um, I mean, because also like in the reverse side of that is somebody who has been eating issues. When we look at progress, progress isn't never binging again. It's having bigger times in between your binges or maybe smaller binges, or maybe you catch yourself mid binge and stop yourself. Um, or maybe it's, you know, greater time between like maybe you're someone who's usually binging four times a week and you're going to once or twice a week, or maybe it's, you know, once a month. All of those are still considered binge eating, but they're just different levels of it. Okay. Okay. It's like, if you want to relate it to drinking, it's like, okay, you go out drinking once in a while, you're not an alcoholic, even though exactly being an alcoholic involves drinking a lot of alcohol. Okay. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So yeah. You, the way you're explaining it kind of sounds like you are more categorized as a binge eater or you're doing that stuff if you're out of control you you know that's sort of the sense i'm getting so i would guess then the way to kind of tackle this and and beat it is to find a way to get back in control so how would how would one go about doing that yes and but first we need to identify the reason you're binge eating and there are four big reasons that people binge eat and so we need to, and it and you could it could somebody could just struggle with one of them or all four of them so we need to identify first, before we can solve this, figure out the solution, we have to create the awareness to figure out what the problem is. And so number one, it could be from under eating. If you're eating 1,000, 1,200 calories a day and severely restricting yourself of calories, your body's just super hungry. And so if you end up having a binge eating episode, it could just be finally your body's like, thank goodness she's finally giving me some more food. And so that could be one reason. And the solution for that would be eat more food, right? Like we need to work your calories up. We need to, and I should also preface this all by saying, if you struggle with binge eating, you should not be in a calorie deficit. That is not the time to repair your relationship with food. That is going to be best done inside of maintenance because you have to think of it. Like when we're putting ourselves in a deficit, we are having to restrict. And that is already one of the reasons why we binge eat. So why make it, if you're struggling with consistency at maintenance, I was just talking to a client about this yesterday. If you're struggling with consistency at maintenance, 
there's no reason to put yourself into a deficit to make it 10 times harder. Yeah. So get this established first, and then you can move into deficit. So under eating is one. Next is restriction. If you're restricting yourself from certain food groups, like, you know, if you're somebody who says, I can't have carbs, or maybe it's a certain food, like maybe you're someone who says, um, I'll use the example like Oreos. Let's say you say, I can't have Oreos. Um, I'm not allowed to have them in my diet, you know, my, or my, you know, I just, something tells myself, something tells you you can't have them. Of course, you're going to want to crave them. Think about a kid. It just all goes back to the, the childhood psychology. You tell a kid they can't have X, Y, Z. Oh, they want it even more. It's the only <laughs> exactly. thing they want. <laughs> exactly. So it's the same thing for you. Like if you're struggling with, you know, you tell yourself, I can't have Oreos, then that is the one thing you're going to want to want. And so restricting is another thing that can also lead to binge eating is if you're somebody who restricts yourself on either food groups or certain types of foods, that's, that's also a big uh, trigger for that. And so the, the way to get around that is also by allowing yourself to have those foods, right? Like we need to allow them into our diet and learn how to repair that relationship with food over time to allow those kind of things. Um, number three is emotionally driven. Um, and this is a really big one. So the first two are pretty easy, uh, easy, depending on the person, of course, but easy to fix. The yeah. next two are a little bit more deeper. And the first one is emotions. You know, if we are emotionally eating, and I want to say, like, I want to pre preference this with, like, I get why people struggle with that because think about it. We are emotional human beings, and we are we live in a society right now where basically everything is celebrated with food. You know, you it could be the birthday party. There's cake and ice cream. It could be the wedding. There's a reception with since food is served. You you graduate school and you go out with all your friends to have some drinks or have some food or to eat you know there's a funeral you go out and you go have some food afterwards like there's reasons to eat for all these emotions and so it's completely normal but we need to learn how to find better ways to cope with emotions rather than just relying on the food itself because the food is just basically a band-aid when we're looking at food as if you know i'm you know, I'm feeling whatever this emotion is, let's say like sadness or frustration. And we say, I'm going to just, I'm, heck with it, I'm going to go eat. Well, you're basically just throwing a Band-Aid over top of those emotions and not dealing with them. We also, unfortunately, we also live in a society that says it's not okay to have feelings. Like, <laughs> but like, but like how many times do people say like, you know, oh, you know, just get over it, you know, just shove it down, like just, just deal with it. Yeah. And, you know, we need to be okay with having those emotions. And so, and I, I, I love this analogy that um, another coach has said one time where think about it as if you have a kid, uh, let's just say Johnny, little Johnny comes home from school, he failed his test and he is really upset because, you know, he's been working so hard, he has straight A's and now he got an F on this test and now he's crying because he's all upset because he failed this. If he comes home and says that, are you going to say, be quiet? Go sit in the corner, eat your Oreos, and just be quiet. Don't I don't want to hear it. No. Like, you're going to say, come here. Cry it out if you need to. Let's talk about it. Let's handle these emotions and get through this. Real quick, guys. If you are enjoying this conversation and this episode, I'd ask you to leave a rating. It takes five seconds, and any feedback is welcome and helps me get better. All right. Back to the episode. But when you get home from work and you've had a bad day at work, you think it's okay to to grab the Oreos and numb your emotions. And that doesn't make sense. But we make it seem like that's what we have to do. So we need to start working how, learning how to work through those emotions, whether that is through journaling, meditation, breath work, 
finding distractions. One of the te um, techniques that I always mention is called Zen 10, which is basically, and I learned this from a book called The Binge Code, highly recommend it. Um, but it's basically where you take, if, if you have this urge or impulse to go eat something, you, you remove yourself from that food. You say Zen 10, that's, usually, that, that's what it's called, and they just say that's what you can say out loud, whatever you want to say, or say it to yourself. Say Zen 10, and then remove yourself from that food. Whether it's in the kitchen, the break room at work, wherever it is, get away from the food. Then give yourself 10 minutes to think through what you're currently experiencing. Is it, are you actually hungry, or are you trying to numb in a certain emotion? So mm. give, give yourself that time to think. Because we all know sometimes we make poor decisions under pressure. And if you're looking, yeah. if you're staring at the pack of Oreos, trying to decide what should I do best, what's best, it, obviously you're probably going to lean towards the Oreos so they're right there in front of you. So get away, think through it, but then find something to distract yourself. You know, whether it is one of the things I mentioned, like you know, meditation, breathwork, journaling, or going for a walk, or maybe it's time to get your workout in, go for your workout. Maybe it is... Um, listen to music, watching a movie, scrolling on TikTok. I don't care. Watching a live like this. Like, I don't care what it is. Find something to distract yourself for that 10 minutes. And at the end of the 10 minutes, you have a few different options. You can either one, you can say, you know what? I actually don't want that. I'm fine. I, I was emotionally driven and I'm going to choose today not to have that because I don't need it. Or secondly, you may say, actually, I want that, but I'm going to be a little more controlled with it. Instead of having the entire sleeve of Oreos, I'm going to have four Oreos or three Oreos. Or you may say, I actually am hungry. My impulse was to have Oreos, but actually it's dinner time. So I'm going to have some, you know, a protein and veggie with my dinner instead of having Oreos for dinner. Or you can even say, I don't know yet. I'm still thinking through this and processing this. Let me give myself 10 more minutes. And so those, that's one big strategy. And, and one of those small ones I'll mention as well is, finding a way to physically create a barrier for yourself or a, rem a physical reminder for yourself. Um, back when I used to really, really struggle a lot with binge eating um, in 2021 when I was travel nursing, I'd get off from work. I didn't get a lunch all day because, you know, 12 hours, not eating, starving, hungry, mad, mad, long day at work. And so I would just want to go binge on something. And so what I started doing is I put a little sticky note inside of my car that just said, think long term. And it was just a great way for for me to like get my car and I want to go, I want to just go bench out on whatever it is that make me feel good. But I'd see that and be like, actually, you know what? I, I don't really need that right now. I, I have food at home. So it would get me home. So you, so anyone listening to this can do the same thing where maybe you put, it's a little fridge magnet on your fridge. No one has to know what it says. You don't have to put don't binge on it. Like so the entire household sees what it says. It could be a, a star on the fridge or, you know, a lighthouse, I don't care, whatever, some magnet on that fridge that you're like, you go to the fridge to grab something, and then you're like, oh, wait, that's right, right, I'm, I need to think through this for a second. Or maybe it's putting it out of reach, and you have to, like, maybe it's putting it in the cabinet up high where you have to get a chair to go grab it. Again, and all of this, I should say, you're still allowing yourself to have these things when you want them to. It's just you have to give yourself more time to think about it before you just impulsively grab it. And then... Lastly, just to touch on the fourth reason we binge eat is identity. A lot of times we, and I talked about this in the very beginning, if you're someone who maybe you don't necessarily struggle with binge eating just yet, but you call yourself a binge eater, you're more likely to become a binge eater because you're already programming your mind that 
I'm a binge eater. This is what I do. So remind yourself, you're not a binge eater. You binge eat. The way we talk to ourselves really matters because you're you're taking that label off of you and making it an action that you do. And we can control our actions. It's harder to control our identity. So really look, look how you're talking to yourself with these things and think about what are how can I start showing up as the person who doesn't binge eat? What, what actions can I put in place to lessen my binge eating episodes or make them um, less frequent? So that all goes into that identity. And that you know, can also be done through journaling, um, affirmations, things like that as well. Yeah. I absolutely love, I love the fact that you literally have the post-it note of Think Long Term in your car. That's something that you're going to see every single day. And this kind of uh, relates back. I, had, I posted something in my story yesterday. And it was just something that I, I've seen recently. It was like the more female followers or the, the more like female influencers or coaches or trainers that I follow, the more my feed is just like reposted motivational quotes that like in the moment, I guess if you read it and were to take it to heart, it would be really good for you. But when your feed is literally just like 25 inspirational quotes a day, none of them stick with you. And it makes you feel good in the moment, but it does not really help you in the long term. So I really, really like how it's like, okay, you took one of those inspirational things. You took one of those sort of like philosophical things and you said, and you put it in a place where you were going to see it every day. And I think yeah. you would get a lot more out of it. Or a lot of those like people that, I mean, like you see it, there are some people where it's like, that's the only thing they do is they post like five reposts of an inspirational quote each day. I'm like, who are you helping here? Who are you serving? Cause it's not yourself. You're just thinking that you're helping people, but really you're not. If you were to just take one of those, make that your freaking screensaver or something, make yeah. that your wallpaper, print that out, like you said, put it on your fridge or something where you're going to see it every day, then you're reminded of it constantly. And then all of a sudden that one thing takes you and helps you with what you're trying to accomplish instead of having like bombarded by 25 things that like you think are working for you, but it's really not. Um, so that I really love. I really love that. The other thing was going into the identity one, which I think is a really big issue. Um, this is something where I remember, you know, hearing some up from um, about the like how alcohol looks at anonymous and all that. How they start off with saying like I I am so and so I am Matt I am an alcoholic, and how you know sort of like detrimental that idea is kind of now because of the fact it's like yeah you're literally saying how much of a failure you are, and so. I understand both sides to it because it's like, all right, in, in the hardship, I'm almost the opposite of you where it's like, when it comes to myself, I'm, I'm more hard on myself because I'm like, all right, I suck. You know what? Screw that. Let's just get better. All right. For the most part, for the most times though, that's because like, I'm like not all the way like in a chronic situation situation. Like I'm not binge eating. Like I'm not in that scenario. I just would overeat every so often. So kind of coming back from that, I'm not like that torn up. I'm, you know, it's not that serious. I, for yeah. somebody else who like is an alcoholic, who is a binge eater, you know, it is a lot more serious. So then when you start to just label yourself as that character, as that identity, it definitely has a lot bigger of an impact on you uh, compared to someone who just overeats, you know, every once in a while. So exactly. uh, yeah, going into the next one, you actually touched up upon this earlier, but I mean, we want to talk about sort of, playing the long game, all right, or playing long ball when it comes to fitness, all right? And so what I assume you mean by that, I don't let you take it away, but what I assume you mean by that is 
you know, not living for that specific moment, like that's right now, but thinking about yourself in a week, thinking about yourself in a month, thinking about yourself in a year, five years, 10 years. Uh, so what do you mean by like playing for the long game of fitness? Yeah, so it, it all comes down to like, you know, are you looking for the next quick fix that you're gonna, you know, die out of, you know, in no time? Or are you playing this, like to actually do this for the rest of your life? You know, I mean, obviously, you know, we all hear, you know, people, coaches always say, you know, like, you know, oh, if you can't see yourself doing this, you know, five, 10 years from now, you know, why are you doing it? And I, and I agree with that. There's a lot of truth to that. But also, I like to look at it this way. I, and sometimes I ask, and I ask a lot of my clients when they first start working with me, that same question. Would you rather spend two weeks, two months to get you the dream body that you want, but you're going to struggle with that the rest of your life and probably never be able to keep it off? Or would you rather take 6, 12, 24 months to get to the dream body you want and never struggle again? And most people are automatically like, well, duh, I don't ever want to struggle again. And I'm like, great, I love that, but I challenge you because probably in the moment when you're upset when the scale goes up one day, you're like ready to throw the scale away. But it's like, wait a minute. I thought we're playing the long game here. I thought we're pushing this out. So I encourage you to remove the timeline from all this. A lot of us, that's where we get stuck is I, I'm not a huge fan. Like when I, when I, I, I try not to even set like weight loss goals necessarily with a lot of clients. Like, yeah, we, we talk about it. I have a general idea, but I never want to be like, all right, Mrs. Jones, we're going to lose 20 pounds by the end of the six months. Even if I know it's attainable and I know we can do it, I don't want to put that already that time on there because already she's thinking I have to hit it by then or I'm a failure. And I know what I would do when I look at something like that. I would start reverse engineering it. Okay, if I'm going to oh, lose yeah. 20 pounds in six months, how much do I have to leave per month? All right, how much do I have to lose per week? And then the first week that I didn't hit that, you're already looking at yourself as a failure. I'm behind. I'm, I, this isn't working. I'm not doing something right. So remove the timeline, and you can probably make it a, a lot further than stressing about, about you know having to lose a certain amount of weight in a certain amount of time. So that is the, one of the first things I'd say is remove that timeline altogether from this process. And then also remember that you're allowed to live your life and enjoy, and you should enjoy your life and not like – Make fitness a part of your life. Don't make it all of your life. Now, granted, this isn't, I'm not talking to the guys stepping on the bodybuilding stage or the people that yeah. are, you know, competing at the national world level. Yeah, so if they want to do that, they have to make that absolutely. their entire life. And all, and all to them for doing that, you know. For sure. I, I love it. I think it's amazing when people do that. But I'm talking to Mrs. Jones who needs to lose 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds and wants to be able to, you know, have, you know, play with her kids and then her grandkids one day, be able to take care of her grandkids one day, be able to get off the toilet when she's 90 years old and not worry about not being able to stand up off of that. Not have to worry about living in somebody else's home or going to a nursing home later on in life because they, she's not able to do that. I'm looking at the long game. But with that being said, you need to be able to learn how to enjoy this process as well, but still treat yourself with respect. And what I mean by that is if you want to go out and have dinner and drinks with some friends one night, be okay with doing that but don't eat like an asshole, right? Like you don't have to, you don't have to have, you know, the burger, the fries, the, the appetizers and the dessert and five, six drinks. How about we make some logical decisions here 
Maybe we skip the appetizer, we get the burger, maybe we get the side salad on the side, maybe we have two drinks, right? Like there's some things you can swap here and there. Still enjoy your life, but also realize that, you know, 90 years from now, you know, when you're, or, or when you're 90 years old, I should say, you're not going to care what you weighed on this day. For all of those listening right now, and you were mad at the scale this morning, 90-year-old you is not going to look back and say, oh, on May 4th, 2023, I was weighed this much, and I was so mad about it. No, she's not going to care about that. She's going to care, are you healthy and living a healthy lifestyle at 90 years old and capable of doing all the things you want to be able to do at 90 years old? I absolutely love that. Uh, recently, I kind of started to change the way that I approach coaching and sort of the content that I put out to, to be more of the like, yeah, I love building muscle and I'm all about that. And it sounds like you are too. Um, but like building it in a sustainable way, because yeah, like you said, we want to get there, but then we also want to stay there. We want to find a way where it's like the programming, the nutrition, the eating, the sleeping, the stress management, it's all there that like we can just carry it on and it becomes you know, part of our life. Um, and it's, it's like something that we enjoy. So 100% it's, it's, you know, when you're 90 years old, you're not going to care what you weigh now. You're going to care. It's like the process that you went through and chances are, if you did it the right way, you're going to be a, a decently healthy 90 year old, you know, it's, exactly. you know, however that looks, you know, for that age group. But I mean, man, exactly. it is 530 right now. So thank you Chase so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Once again, great. Uh, inspiring story for you. Uh, great things coming your way. I'm sure of it. Um, keep making an impact. Where can people follow you? Um, here on Instagram at change underscore chase. Um, same thing on TikTok and all the other links are in the uh, beautiful link in my bio, Facebook group, podcast, all that other stuff. Guys, thank you for listening to the Unleashed Physique Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Spiewak. If you found this podcast useful or helpful or valuable in any way, I'd ask you to leave a rating down below and share it with your friends, or family members, or roommates, or whoever you think would benefit from this. I'm trying to impact as many people as I can, and I can't do it alone. So in advance, thank you for your support. If you haven't already, make sure to join my free Facebook group. You can either DM me or message or click in the link in the description. Some awesome exclusive content in there that is just for that group along with live training with yours truly once a week going over ways to build muscle and crush your goals. And as always, work smarter, get stronger.